Welcome back to the Zert Coffee and Chaos podcast, a show where we talk about anything and everything relating to what it means to be a survivalist and a prepared individual in today's society. I'm your host, Chris Bartigone, ZP002. With me as always, my co-host, Jamie Franks. Jamie, welcome back to the show, X739D for Delta. Good to be here as always, and thank you for listening to those that are listening. Uh, we still would appreciate your feedback and comments, uh, whichever whichever medium you're listening to us on, me- medium, medium. Yeah. Uh, uh, is it medium or median? I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, uh, you know, as, as always, folks, uh, you know, we are we are putting this out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all, we're all, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and then this is in video format on YouTube. You know, it, it's funny. I was watching some of the and I still watch other people's, um, you know, videos, podcasts, YouTube, whatever they whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they are classifying them as. And one of the episodes and I think you and I talked about this last year. Um, one of the episode is basically, um, listener questions. So we would love, I would love to do a show like that. I would love to get a, a show together. Um, and, and there may be enough questions over, uh, we are on, uh, season two, episode 46 here. So there may be enough questions, uh, on the first, you know, 45 episodes, where we can do one with, or maybe one or two. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look and see how many how many questions and comments. I know some of them may have been um, answered on the actual platform, but I think that would be a great episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, awesome. Well, uh, you know, here we are, still in still in 2024, and uh, the. Bombs haven't dropped. The world hasn't imploded yet, but, uh, you know, there's still time. <laughs> um, uh, there is still time and there is there's time and, and space to learn another essential skill. <laughs> Today's episode, we plan to talk about water purification, water collection, water pur- purification um, and kind of storing water. I, I think that, you know, when when. We've talked in the past over your um, your needs in a survival situation, and you know the the threes, right? The and water is one of those threes that you cannot survive without after a certain period of time. So, right, I, I think having water is uh, and having the ability to to drink water, uh, dirty water. I think it's a I think it's an important skill to to understand. It is definitely. Um... So, you know, there, there's all these, depending on what type of training you have and, and where you got it and who you got it from, um, people talk about the 10 C's of survival. People talk about your your four priorities of survival, um, talk, you know, the rule of threes, right. which goes goes into your, your uh, that kind of feeds back into the priorities of survival. But um, the way I was trained, your, your four priorities in order are shelter, water, fire, and food. Right. Um, so water is the number two, because assuming that you are breathing and you're not bleeding, right. uh, water is kind of the the second thing you need behind shelter because you can typically, again, just basic survival rule of thumb, uh, you can go for three days without water. Right. But uh, shelter takes priority to that because uh, if you are in any sort of extreme environment or any any extreme condition, meaning 
extreme heat, extreme cold, extreme storm, something like that. Right. Um, being exposed to those extreme elements will theoretically kill you in less than three days. Right. Whereas right. water, you can go for three days and not have it. But yeah, so collecting water is a big thing, like you said, and then going into all the ways that you need to treat it, to purify it, filter it. Um, right. Before you put it into your body. So, so I mean, I, and I guess we can kind of do this in, in a step-by-step process, right? So I, I guess the first part would be water collection or rainwater harvesting. Uh, and, and that's what we're talking about here, folks, um, is collecting rainwater to then purify it and store it for use. Um, you know, when we do these shows, it's, we, we go into it with the idea and then, and then we have to kind of take what we already know about it, do a little bit more research. And, and I got to tell you the, the rainwater harvesting part was interesting, right? Because it's not federally, federally regulated, but like with most things, um, states have certain regulations. Yeah, so I live in a state that's obviously very heavily regulated, and uh, here it, it, I don't, I can't tell you for sure without looking it up um, if it's regulated on a statewide basis. But I know definitely here at the county and city level, um, if you even want to install any sort of rainwater collection device or like you know like a rainwater collection barrel off of your your house's rain gutters. Uh, you have to still be plugged into the municipal water supply. Uh, you can't disconnect from that. And you have to get a permit uh, to be allowed to collect rainwater. Right. Which, which they may or may not approve. Exactly. Uh, so so yeah. what uh, what I like that you just said is you're in a heavy regulated state, and I am also in a heavy regulated state, um, which does not regulate rainwater harvesting but yet incentivizes you to rainwater harvest. So, folks, if, if you're curious, you know, check. Obviously, do the research and find out if you can collect it. Here in Connecticut, you, can, you actually get a tax incentive for rainwater, for collecting rainwater, and the state encourages you to do it. Um, now, you mentioned disconnecting from municipal. So obviously there's, you got two, two different things here, right? So where, where my family lives, like where I grew up, we were on well water. So, yeah. So from the time I was born until I joined the Navy, I was on well water that entire time. So, uh, so, and that's, I mean, I guess if you live in an area where you can drill a well and your well is, is healthy and plentiful, um, then rainwater collection is, is really not much of an issue. I mean, we, we had a, it's, um, when I was dating the the person that eventually became my wife, who then became my ex-wife, uh, the first time I took her home with me back when we were dating, everybody has, we, like we call it in North Carolina, we call it a pump house. Right. And because everybody has a well that's drilled and then you have to have a pump for to pump the water out of the well and pump it into the house. So everybody has, it, it, most people's are brick and it looks like it's a, like an oversized doghouse that's that's made out of brick and it's insulated, you know, to keep your pump from freezing and stuff during the winter and yep. keep it shaded and during the summer. And 
since I grew up with that, like I, I never looked twice at it, but that was something that really stood out to her. The first time she came home and, and visited with me was like, why does everybody have these big dog houses? And I'm like, Oh, those are pump houses. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I, I find that interesting, um, that there are some States that will actually incentivize you to do this. And yet there's others that you need to get a permit for it. Um, so I guess, I guess it starts there, right? So uh, a couple of questions, you know, when should you collect rainwater? And, and I guess water collection can also be, you know, from your, from your tap, right? Like, I mean, if you were to go and fill up a gallon jug of water every single day from your well or from wherever, I mean, that is, that is a form of water collection. Um, mm -hmm you know, going to the local stream and, and bringing two food, uh, storage, you know, level containers like the, the, the food, uh, food grade, uh, containers and filling that up, that that's a form of it. You know, the, the, I guess the fine line becomes when you are collecting the rainwater and, and using it that way. I mean, we just had so much rain over the past four days where there was flooding mm -hmm. all over the place. I mean, if you were collecting rainwater at that time, you were, you were good to go. Um, yeah. So, but they do have entire units that you can build. So I guess there is a rudimentary way to collect rainwater, right? Like, you know, saucers on the roof. And I mean, you see them in some movies where they have, you know, Pots and pans on, on, I think it was actually in 28 Days Twenty eight days Later, where there was a scene where they were showing a roof and there was like, you know, tarps and plastic tarps and sheets and what, or sheets and whatnot, mm -hmm. where they were just collecting the rainwater. Uh, but there are actual filtration units that you can purchase and get installed at your house to collect rainwater. So I and think most people that I know that, that, do rainwater collection, they do it uh, because, uh, and I, I was going to go into this uh, at some point during our conversation here, but okay. um, most people I know that collect rainwater, they do it so that they're not using their, their drinkable potable water for other things, like meaning they can, uh, they can collect their rainwater and water their lawn with that, or they can collect rainwater and wash the car with that and, or instead of uh, using water that's out of the well or, or whatever like that. Okay. But, Makes sense. Typically, like, you know, we're talking about, like, we've, we've said rainwater several times. Right. Um, a, as a general rule of thumb, and th this is, again, this is just a general rule of thumb. This is not an absolute. There there obviously are exceptions to every rule. But typically speaking, <clears throat> when we're talking about water treatment or water filtration or, you know, turning non-drinkable water into drinking water, uh, typically like rainwater, you don't need to filter it or treat it. Like the, the only reason you would need to filter it or treat it is if it runs off of something else. Right. I mean, like your most people collect rainwater off of their roof because it's a large surface area right. that's angled. It's angled into the gutters, the gutters, uh, concentrate you know funnel the water you know down into the into the downspouts and then you can collect it from there but by the time you're collecting it from the downspout of your gutter it has run across your dirty ass roof and your dirty ass gutters and, right. and all that stuff so so then that necessitates if you were going to drink it that it would need to be uh filtered and treated but if you were if you had a clean piece of plastic for example or, or you know something like that and you were collecting it straight from the sky uh you could drink it uh, straight out of the, the plastic. You should be able to, again, there, there are exceptions to every rule. I mean, there's, I know people are 
we're going to comment that there's acid rain and shit right. like that. But, <laughs> right. um, but typically speaking, out in the wild, out in a survival situation, um, you should be able to drink rainwater straight up with with no filtration and, and no treatment. Um, also, um, melted snow and melted ice, ice melt. Um, also, typically, you shouldn't have to filter that or treat it. Again, with that exception being that the snow or whatever falling through a tree or sitting on the ground or whatever, it has collected dirt or debris. Right. Um, but again, if if you could collect snow as it was falling or if, if you were collecting like uh, melted ice from from deep wilderness, deep wilderness that, that was kind of out in the open and frozen for a long period of time, you could melt that and drink it straight uh, without really needing to do it. Um, well, and, and I mean, it, and again, it really depends on the form of melting, right? If you're just letting it melt on its own, yeah. it, but if you are melting it with heat that's you're going to be boiling it any boiling it anyway so you're you're in effect purifying it that way it yeah, seems like the like, two of us are tongue tied tied today look at this <laughs> groundwater um like we talked about drilling a well right uh, groundwater typically because the earth has naturally filtered it and and treated it uh, typically, you know, groundwater is is typically safe to drink without doing anything to it. If you're out in uh, either like a mountainous area or like certain areas of the desert where it's rocky, if you can find areas where water is like seeping through the rocks, right. um, this was like a survival trick I learned in in military survival training. Like yeah. if, if like the surface of a rock is like wet and there's and it's not raining, uh, that means that there's water coming through the rock. Uh, you can take your shoelace out of your boot and like stick it up there and, and basically your shoelace will turn into a wick and and start dripping the water and you can catch that water and you can drink that straight up again because it's been filtered from the earth. And then uh, this one starts to get a little gray, but but again, it's it's just a general rule of thumb. It's not an absolute. Um, if it's a fresh water supply, meaning it's not salty or it's not brackish and it's running water. Um, you, sh you should be able to drink that most of the time, uh, straight up as long as there's not, you know, dead animals or animal feces or any kind of known contaminant like that. But, uh, that, that one can become like a rolling the dice situation. Right. I, I yeah. personally would, would still treat that, but, uh, but you can, uh, running fresh water, meaning not standing still fresh water, yeah. uh, running fresh water, you, you can drink it. And then, uh, condensation, uh, there, that, that's. Went way back in my Cub Scout days, uh, that was one of the first methods of water purification that I ever learned as a Cub Scout, and so it's that's the one that has like stuck in my head the most, and uh, and and it's actually it's kind of neat and kind of fun to do if you can do it. It takes a while though; that's, that's well, time yeah. consuming, we'll, and we'll go into it. But yeah. uh, condensation, if if you have a way to catch condensation, you can also drink that without needing to filter it or treat it. So. Okay, so so. Those are those are some of the the ways to collect H2O, um, high quality H2O from the water boy. Uh, you know, obviously, there are you you can install solar panels on your house and use the sun. This is a form of using you know collecting natural water and then using it for whatever those purposes are. It, I think where we're going to end up leaning is more in that survival situation. We'll probably, yeah. I mean, we'll definitely come back to that water collection when we get to that, you know, water storage situation for a survival type um, uh, situation. And I'm 
I don't want, I don't want to use the word situation one more time, but we're going to. Um, but, you know, water storage in that for, you know, a survival and extended period of time, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, but if you find yourself out camping in the woods or you're going camping in the woods you're and you're hiking and, and whatnot, you, you bring a certain amount of water, but then, you, you know, water weighs a lot. Right. I think hundred um, percent. Yeah. I, I think it's like 8.34 pounds for a gallon of water or something like that. I, I believe it's. Yeah. Like that's that, right. when you got into the decimal points, you left me behind because exactly. yeah. So, but, but it's about we eight, always eight, just, yeah. Eight pounds. Eight pounds. Right. A gallon of water weighs eight pounds is what has been hammered into my brain a thousand times. So, so a gallon so, of water weighs eight pounds. Right. So there it is. So, you know, if, if you were doing a hike and you're going minimalist and minimalist and, and ounces equals pounds and pounds equals pain, you know, what are you going to give up? Um, can you find a, a water source in the, out in the wild? hundred percent. Can you purify that with minimal things also pretty easily, you know, um, if you have a pot and, and can make fire, there we go. Um, but I guess it comes down to some questions, right? So like what, when would you want to purify water in a, in a, in a wilderness situation? So that, uh, you know, again, I live in Southern California and the, you know, one of the great things about Southern California is, all within the span of maybe three hours, you can be, you can go from the ocean to the desert to the mountains. Right. Um, and so I love desert camping. Um, it, it's one of my favorite types of camping. But the the biggest disadvantage to desert camping is, you know, as one would assume, finding a source for collecting water or, or sourcing, you know, fresh water or groundwater, finding a source out in the wild to uh, – to collect it's it's right. pretty much non-existent or, or next to non-existent and so when you're desert camping <clears throat> you have to take uh drinking water you have to have water for like washing dishes um I, you know actually it, with my experience in desert camping i have learned to like you can if with the right type of sand you can just wash your dishes with the sand and 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 then just give your dishes a quick rinse after that but okay. um a Thanks. great example that i can think of is back in 2016 i took uh leave from the navy and i went to peru for basically almost a month i was i think i was there for 28 days um and i did all these hikes through the andes mountains of peru like we hiked to this we did like this four or five day hike to this glacier oh, nice um we did this hike to this place called rainbow mountain which is almost it's like at twenty eight thousand feet elevation <laughs> it's oh, wow. ridiculous okay um uh and then uh we like i did the whole trek to machu picchu all that stuff so um each day like we we would um we would only carry 100 ounces of water at the time uh, you know maximum wow okay. and because out there there was there were tons of of sources for fresh water sure but uh me being in the military and, and me having the, the mindset that i have uh one of the worst things that can happen to you i mean it really it sounds funny and it sounds gross but but it's really it's up there with like heavy bleeding like one of the things that can kill you if you're in in an extreme wilderness environment whether it's recreationally or in a, in a survival situation but 
if you catch some kind of oh. bug, some kind of bacteria, right. and you get the shits, like that that can kill you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, I, And listen, anybody that's watched any season of Naked and Afraid, there's always one person who drinks water that they think is okay, and next thing you know, they're being extracted because they're, you know, shitting their brains out. Um, so, yeah. I, like, bacteria, germs at this level, you know, we're, we're, I'm good. I, I'm going to be, so, and, and just to, just one more point to make, you know, okay. the, 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 when and the why to purify water, I mean, is kind of interchangeable. Right. And I mean, one of the main reasons why is just an extra layer of security, even going back to some of the things you were saying about running water, fresh water source w w coming off of a rock. It doesn't hurt to boil the water. I mean, you're not yep. going to do anything to it. So, and all you're going to do is ensure that you have one more layer of protection before drinking that water. So, go ahead. So we would uh, um, everything I did in Peru, <clears throat> um, I would do in in like groups of people. Not none of it was solo. Um, so, we, you know, each person ha had approximately like you know three liters or a hundred ounces of water on us at any given time, but. Uh, Every day on a daily basis, we would source fresh water like naturally. Um, and we had guides with us because a lot of the places where we were hiking and trekking and stuff were, uh, you know, national parks, you know, in Peru. So, you know, with their regulation, if you're going on these uh, trek, I think if it's anything that's other than just like a day trip. So anytime when you're going to be like overnighting, Peru uh, requires you to hire a guide. Got it. And so our guides would... Uh, would help us find fresh water and um we would put it we we would boil it always um and then a lot, like most of the time that's all we would do they would boil it and they would pour it right into everybody's water containers but um i brought with me a steri pen which is uh it looks like uh it almost looks like a kind of it looks like a digital thermometer but a little bit bigger than a digital thermometer okay um but it has a very powerful uh uv light and so i would we would collect water, um, filter it, boil it, <clears throat> and then uh, everybody else would just drink it straight after that. But like I just like you said, exactly like you just said, I just wanted that extra layer of security to make sure I wasn't getting the poops right. uh, and needing to because literally like out there, you would need to be like airlifted out because we were right. in like such remote uh, wilderness. But I would just take the little steri pen, you you turn it on. And you just stick it in your water container and stir with the UV light activated. And I think you stir it for 90 seconds per liter of water. Um, and then that that's that adds an extra layer of protection. So that that's a good example to me of we were in a place where we should have been able to drink the water straight uh, and, and should have probably I'm these very vague words should have right. and probably and maybe and um we possibly maybe could have drank the water straight and been okay. <laughs> right. Uh, we boiled it just to be safe. And then I, I took an extra step for my own water, which was uh, treating it with the UV light. And I, I had no problems. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, that's good. Um, so I, you know, collecting it is one step, right? So, okay. You, you've, yep. you've, you've, you've gotten it. You've got a, a pot full of water. How are we, how are we going to purify that? Um, how are we going to make it safe to drink? 
Uh, obviously, everybody is aware of, of boiling water, right? I mean, you got to get a rolling boil and let it boil for probably three minutes and yep. let it, yep. and don't drink it straight from the boil. <laughs> uh, let it cool down and boom, now you got water safe to drink. Um, the other way is filtration. So Life Straw, um, I, I'm sure there is a bunch of other uh, camping portable water filtration devices that you can use. Um, I, I believe they use like a coal filter, right? Where they're filtering it through coal or, I mean. Uh, so I'm not sure. I've never owned a Life Straw. I know, uh, I know Life Straws are very popular yeah. um, these days. But uh, I, I've never had one. The the I've used the like I just said I've used the UV treatment. <clears throat> I've used uh, chemical treatment, which is like uh, uh, Aquatabs is is yeah. the I think the most common brand for that now. But then like I've had the I don't even know if there is a brand, but I've had like the little military issue iodine right. uh, tablets, and then um, the the water purifier that I that I had and used quite a bit um was made by msr and like they don't make the i looked it up before we did the show today but uh the one that i used to use was called a msr sweetwater and they don't make that exact one anymore it's been replaced with another one with the msr sweetwater because one of the things you were going into was filtration and purification and those are two different things or two different right. processes the when you're treating water <clears throat> um the best method to use is a combination of the two that's going to be your most surefire way to to really make water safe to drink and and with the least amount of risk um so the reason i liked the msr sweet water is because it had a really really good uh filtration element that would filter out uh debris and bacteria and all that stuff right and then it had uh this these liquid like they looked like eye drops but it was these liquid purification drops that were yeah. tasteless and odorless and then that would kill any any viruses or or any surviving like uh, microbes or anything in the water, and uh, but now because I was looking for the MSR Sweetwater because I was going to give it a, a plug in the podcast <laughs> here today, I found out they don't make it anymore, yeah. um, and it's been replaced with this other one that now it doesn't need the extra step of the um, drops or or adding tablets or anything like that. There is now an actual they and they call it a physical purifying element and uh that that's that's something i just learned about an hour oh, ago okay uh, that i learned about by accident so now <laughs> i guess in, in all the training and experience that i've ever had filtration filtration filtering water and purifying water were two different things and and your best bet was to do a combination of both but this new thing that they're calling a physical uh a physical purification element uh it, apparently it it actually filters and purifies in one single step um, now the MSR product that, uh, that does that, that has this, uh, filtration element is called the, uh, oh, where did it go? Um, it's the MSR guardian and it's $400. Um, oh, wow. so, okay. Yeah. And, but uh, uh, where I hope we're going and we don't have to jump ahead there yet, but, uh, you know, one of the things we always plug on this show is <laughs> that you know, knowledge and experience trumps gear. So right. um, I do think too many people are probably guilty of like, oh, I'll just buy a life straw or, oh, I'll just buy this thing. And all you have to do, honestly, 
and I did it again myself today earlier this morning. All you have to do is go to MSR's website, go to REI's website, look at the reviews and every single one of these products, and, and maybe it's one out of a million, maybe it's one out of 10,000, maybe it's one out of 100,000, whatever it is, but every single one of these products has like a pissed off review from somebody who bought this thing and they took it out and the first time they took it out of the box to use it, and of course, because apparently sure. they weren't very smart, they, yeah. they waited to they waited to op test it actually in the field when they needed it right. and it broke. Exactly. So, you know, having the knowledge and experience to do these kind of things naturally, which, which like I said, I hope we're going to get into is going to trump gear. I mean, I, I can, I can recommend that SteriPen cause it worked for me. I can recommend aqua tabs cause I've used them in the military. I can recommend right. yeah. you know, that MSR pump that I had, but they don't make it anymore. Yeah. And, but yeah, no, I, I if think that shit breaks, you need to know what to do. 100%. Hmm. I mean, there are, there are going to be times where you need, something you need it you need a piece of gear but for the you know i having a life straw is is a crutch to me or a band-aid yep. it 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 doesn't it doesn't it's convenient. fix exactly it doesn't fix the problem it slows down the problem but it doesn't it does not help you know okay great what are you going to do walk over to the river every time you want to drink and stuff your face in there and and you know <laughs> life straw it i mean they do make other things you know like yes yeah i mean uh, I believe the company is called Catadine, or um, but the Be Free Catadine, Catadine, yeah. um, yeah. the the Be Free bladders, you know they're they make sense. They're they don't take up a lot of room in your pack. So if you are hiking and that's what you're going to do, like you grab one of those bladders, you get the water and you hang it from a tree or wherever in your campsite, and now you have water, you know, a a, a bubbler, if you will. At mm -hmm. your campsite, and you can go and use that to wash dishes, and then you can take that filtered water, put it in a pot, boil it, and there's your 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 extra layer of security. Um, but to your point, if you can make fire, and you have a pot, you can purify the water, and you're done. You move on, and and you're and you're and you're good to go. So act, <clears throat> after the the boiling method and then the water filtration there's distilling water and then there's using a chemical chlorine right people mm -hmm. we've been using right. so distilling is probably the most ridiculous and time consuming way to it's the most effective but least efficient exactly um and so for all for anybody that is not aware you literally boil water until it vapor until it becomes vapor, and then you collect the vapor, you catch the vapor, and then cool it to turn it back into a liquid. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, insane. Um, it's also how you make moonshine. There you go. Uh, it's also you need distilled water to apparently season your humidor, um, and then chlorine, right? So tablets. We we just talked about that. <laughs> or like iodine. Iodine, yeah. right? So it's yeah. just a, it's a chemical way to purify the water. Um, so yeah. So. Uh, filtration is, uh, I mean, like just to, to jump all the way back to the ground level, like when we're talking about treating water for drinking, we're talking about eliminating, uh, viruses, pathogens and debris from water. Right. And, and that, that's, that's the basic baseline definition of purifying water or making water safe to drink or whatever. And, and yeah, so it, filtration, uh, depending on your filter element, like in, in an actual, like hardcore hardcore survival situation i can use my t-shirt right as a filter that's a very crude filter and it's not 
you know, doesn't have very many microns, uh, no. but, but you can use it to filter out like mud and, you know, pine needles and, and things like that and, and dead bugs and stuff like that. So, you know, your, your t-shirt can be a form of a filter. And then, you know, like if you had a coffee filter, that might, would even be better, yep. but obviously all these little, uh, pieces of gear that you can buy, they're going to have like a, a very, very fine filter that can, that's, they're even so fine that they can filter out, uh, things at the bacteria level. Right. Um, and that's the goal, but right. But, but even the best filters that you can get they're they're not fine enough or they're not good enough to filter out, uh, viruses and microbes, viruses and microbes will still go through the filter, which is why it's important to, to double down on your methodology and, and then use some sort of purification method. So when we're talking about purification, then we're talking about like adding like chemical tablets or yes. using the UV light, like I talked about or boiling now like you exactly like you just said like boiling is typically viewed as your most foolproof way to treat water um heating because water boils at 212 degrees fahrenheit um most uh viruses and microbes and bacteria die at around 140 degrees so heating water up to 212 degrees and like you said letting it do that rolling boil yeah for for three minutes uh, three minutes is, is the minimum um, but understand the longer you boil the water, the less water you're going to have because right. it's going to boil away. Um, but boiling kills microorganisms. It kills bacteria. It kills viruses. It kills protozoans. Um, I I'll let, I'll let and all trapezoids. you uh, <laughs> right. So when you get into this, they, they start using words like microbes, right. microorganisms, protozoans. Uh, one of the things I saw was microplastics. Um, and, this kind of this could take us in a different direction too. you know are we talking about like long term uh you know like post apocalypse you know prepping and and large scale collecting of water and treating of water or are we talking about a survival situation which is typically a shorter duration just to to self rescue or, right. or wait and, and we're I, being yeah rescued. and i think that's where you know I, again i i think this goes in in stages or levels if you will yep. uh understanding it at the basic level which is okay you um got lost in the woods turned around you brought enough water for a day and now for whatever reason you are three days in and now you need you need water so yeah so Exactly. And that's where I was. So boiling is, is again, typically universally agreed upon that that's your, your best bet catch all. Right. Obviously if you can, it would be better to filter it, then boil it and then add some sort of, you know, uh, other purifying layer, like, you know, one of those chemical treatments or the UV or whatever. Um, but boiling water also makes a whole lot of assumptions. Like it, it assumes that you have the ability to make a fire it assumes True. that you have the time to build a fire it assumes that you are in that it's not raining or something you know that you're in in conditions that are favorable to make a fire it assumes that you have a container that's suitable for boiling true uh if, true. if all you have is a plastic like nalgene bottle or like a plastic sparklets water bottle that you got from walmart or whatever you know like out of a 36 pack of water um you actually you actually can boil water in those plastic uh, water containers, but you can't boil it over flame. Over yeah. So you have to collect enough wood to let it burn down to embers. Right. And then you have to suspend the bottle above right. the embers. You have to get it close enough yeah. 
that it heats the water, but not so no. close that it melts no. the bottle. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is this all assumes that you're not being pursued by somebody because this is going to take a lot of time. Even if you're good at it, even even if you have everything you need, right. it's going to take a lot of time to build a fire, to boil water. Um, you're going to be making smoke, which if you're being pursued, that, that smoke is going to give your position away. But if you're in a survival situation where you want to be rescued, then that fire smoke might help you get rescued. Right. But so boiling water and also um, typically speaking, because I don't know anybody that goes camping with like a five gallon cast iron cauldron you know so you're you can only boil water in very small quantities at the time um that's the other drawback of of boiling waters it it just telling people to boil water assumes all those things i just talked about right very true um but i guess the same the same or the opposite side of that equation is <clears throat> same pursuit same situation time do you have the the chemicals and the tablets needed to just drop them in and magically make the water safe? Uh, you know, again, that goes back to gear, right? That's a gear thing where right. boiling water is a skill thing. So, it, it, it you know, here we, we, it's a combination of both. Um, and each situation is going to be unique. I think that's mm -hmm. the, the best way to, to kind of look at it. Yeah, and, and but you do need – so, like, <clears throat> what, what you were just saying – um, I have my set of kit that I normally like take to the range and, and train in and stuff. And then, uh, like being in the military, like the way our kit is set up, it, we have to have certain things, you know, like you have to be able to have seven rifle magazines because our, our standard loadouts, 210 rounds of rifle ammo, and you have to have 60 rounds of pistol ammo. So you got to have, you know, you have to be, you have, your gear has to be configured to carry, you know, four 15 round sure. pistol mags, and right. seven rifle mags, and you got to have your radio and you got to have a spare battery and you got to have this and you got to have that. And so one of the things for my deployment kit that we have to have is I have like, we call it an E and E kit or escape and evade kit. And in that little E and E kit is a, um, it's a little collapsible fold upable, um, plastic water bladder. Um, so you can use that to collect water and carry it. And this is assuming that you have stripped off all your gear, all your weapons, you're on the run, um, and all you have is this little E and E kit that can fit in your cargo pocket of your pants. Right. Um, I have the little collapsible. It's basically like a plastic bag that has a cap that you can put water in. Um, okay. And then we have the little aqua tabs. Uh, so if if we were being pursued or whatever, like you, if you needed water, you would just have to roll the dice on whatever water source you could find, whether right. it was running water or still water. If you really needed water that bad, um, scoop it up in the little bladder, take a piece of string and you can, you can fashion a, a, a really hasty, uh, camelback, camelback out sure. of it Yep, and put the little aqua tabs in there and, and off you go. And you haven't made any smoke. It, it didn't take you that long. And now you have water you can drink in a pinch. And like, if we are viewing survival as that short term, Thing where we're escaping, evading, uh, executing a self-rescue, or or waiting to be rescued. Um, if you need water, you need water. Uh, you know, and a, and a good example of that is Marcus Latrell, um, the the right. lone survivor. Yep. Uh, you know, Marcus, the the lone survivor incident was in two thousand and six, if I remember correctly. Right. And. Uh, 
we're now 18 years on from that, and Marcus Luttrell is still having issues from drinking contaminated water while he was escaping and evading dur- during that whole thing 18 years ago. So, oh, wow. I mean, the good news is that he survived, right. um, but th- that's how serious it can be, is that 18 years later, he's still having gastrointestinal issues from drinking contaminated water 18 years ago. Wow, so, that's insane. So y- you can drink bad water. My point is you can drink bad water and survive. Yeah. Um, but, but it is, it is something that needs to be treated seriously. You know, one of the other things is I, and we were, you know, talking about geographic locations, right? So you talked about camping in the desert and, and having that be a potential um, hurdle when it comes to finding fresh water. The other is camping in an area. So like, for example, South Florida, you're not you're not finding a fresh water source easily. Um, yeah, that and that's where. So um, I, we talked about distilling a few minutes ago, and and I talked about when I was a Cub Scout, we learned how to to basically force water to evaporate into condensation, and then catch that condensation and funnel it back into uh, a water bottle or whatever. So yeah, if you were in a situation like that where you're on a life raft. Right. Surrounded by miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of water that you can't drink. Yeah. Um, that actually like the 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 condensing method, like using using the sun and a piece of plastic to uh, make the salt water condense. And then, I mean, what's a good example? Like uh, anybody that's been in the south and you wear glasses inside where it's air conditioned and then you walk outside where it's hot and your right. glasses fog up, right so you're basically forcing that to happen using sunlight and a piece of plastic and a and like a can of salt water yeah but that is a form of distillation of distilling the water right to make it drinkable because obviously you can't boil salt water to make it fresh because what's going to happen is the water is just going to boil away and you're just going to be left with a, a can of salt yeah so, so you can you can season your fish and that's about it <laughs> right. um, but but uh but yeah but uh, sorry, go ahead. You, you so, were making no, a point so, that, so that's what I, you know, so th- there's, therein lies another hurdle that you just need to be aware of. I mean, what we're talking about here is just kind of base knowledge, you know, and then you have to understand how to uh, apply that to your situation, where you are and, and what's going to be most effective for you. Um, that's the survival side of things, right? But we talk about being prepared individuals and survivalists, um, which also means, you know, for the future, right? So we're talking, okay, what we just talked about is, okay, something happens and now you need to make drinkable water right mm-hmm. now until you are saved or safe from whatever mm-hmm. you're, you're in. But for those of you out there that want to ensure that you do not run out of safe drinking water for a, a man-made or natural disaster that we may and have occurred uh, that me, that we may see and has occurred in our lifetime i.e. hurricane tornado any one of those situations power outage i mean we talked about the leave the world behind you know and finally at one point they decided to turn the the bathtub on and collect that water uh, we've done that up here in the past when I was growing up because you're walking into a situation where a storm is coming and you may lose power and you don't have the ability to flush toilets, right? So, yeah, and 
we had a situation in uh, 2010 or two that we've talked about it on the podcast before i'd have to right. look it back up to, to say for sure but it was like 2010 2011 we had this big blackout that impacted uh all of southern california it was basically uh, everything west of Phoenix, Arizona, and everything uh, south of um, San Francisco. So the whole that whole bottom wedge of like the southern southwestern United States, uh, we were we had this huge blackout, and here in San Diego, because of that loss of power, um, the water treatment plant either it was some valve. I don't know. I, I'm, uh, I'm not a municipal water treatment <laughs> expert, but some valve in the water treatment plant either got stuck open or stuck shut. But the loss of power prevented them from being able to to open it or shut it, whatever they needed to do. And it was basically contaminating the municipal water supply with raw sewage. So um, in that situation, we couldn't even trust the water that was coming out of our taps anymore. Right. And and then, uh, you know, you run into situations like, like uh, um, everybody should be familiar with Flint, Michigan, yep. uh, and, and the, the issues with their water supply. And, right. and this is where you have to have a little bit more in-depth knowledge. Um, you have to know what does what and what can't do what. Like we talked about on the, um, I think it was actually on the Leave the World Behind, one of the episodes, um, why do they need to collect water? They have this humongous swimming pool in the backyard. Well, right. it's, it's another one of those like universally agreed upon things that you Pool water is a terrible source of drinking water. You can use pool water to wash your clothes, wash your hands, wash your butt, whatever, but it can't really be effectively made safe for, for drinking on a long-term basis um, because it has the chlorine uh, dissolved into it and boiling it won't get rid of it, filtering it won't get rid of it. The only way to, to get rid of chlorine uh, like even, and it's still not 100% effective, is by distilling it, which as we've talked about, is the biggest pain in the butt and the least efficient right. way to treat water. But, you know, I don't want people to get confused here because earlier in the show, we were just talking about you can use chlorine or iodine to purify the water. But I think yeah. it, it's the, it comes down to the levels of chlorine Correct. that are used, right? Um, and if you were to drop one chlorine tablet in a, in a swimming pool, you know, it, it, you got to have the right ratio. I mean, it's just, it's and like every single person, every single person that has swam in a swimming pool has gotten a mouthful of water and swallowed it. And, and they, and they find it's just, it, you yeah. know, it's like bartending, you know, you got to make sure that the rum and is the it? Coke is the right, you got to have the right rum and the right Coke for your oh, Cuba okay. Lira. But anyway, yeah. um, so, so, it, you know, just to kind of clear that up, chlorine, using a chlorine tablet is still a viable way to purify water. Um, mm -hmm. or to make water safe to drink, you just don't use the amount that you put in a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but like removing, uh, like right. heavy metals right. and, and, and chemicals that have been diluted or dissolved into the water. That's, that's your two most difficult things to remove. And right. really none of the methods short of, of distilling, um, are going to, so, uh, you know, again, like the people of Flint, Michigan, they can't just take the water out of their tap and boil it and be fine because that it, it's it's a the problem there is the lead content of the water right. which is a heavy metal and uh, even distilling doesn't even do a very good job of removing lead from water like that so right right uh, just, 
So, so you know what? I guess that that next step, right? That next evolution in a prepared individual's uh, repertoire is they've gotten water, and now they need to store that water. And like we said in the beginning, you could do this every single day. You could literally, if you are in a in a well situation, you could fill a water jug. A, a gallon water jug every single day and seal it. You could add, you could add some iodine to it or some, you know, some, uh, some chemical to make sure that it stays, you know, fresh. You store it in a cool and dry area, 50 to 70 degrees, not in direct sunlight, especially if you're putting it in plastic and you've gotten some water and, and you, you're, you're stockpiling that water for a situation. Um, mm -hmm. You can go to Amazon and you can buy those. Uh, they look like the, the survival gas cans like that you would have on the back of a Jeep, right? Yep. They make those. I've got three or four yep. of them. And so do I. Add, them, add water to them. You can add a water softener, whatever the case may be, if you have hard water. Um, and you're good to go. You've got water. You, some people, I mean, you see those giant plastic totes, right? And they're covered in a metal cage. I mean, you have, some people store that. Uh, <clears throat> I remember some years back, I was looking at a place to, to move to, and it was down by uh, the lake here. And where it was, for whatever reason, they weren't able to get water in the winter. Like they weren't able to get water trucks down there or whatever. So these houses had water storage units in there. So during the winter months, you had to switch from whatever water you were getting throughout the year to the stored water that you had in these tanks. So there's plenty of those options out there to store the water, right? Um, the next question that people ask is, okay, well, how much water do I need to store? I mean, that, that also depends on your situation, but you should have enough water stored. I mean, you should have one gallon per person per day in your house. Yep. Correct. That's so that's, that is the general rule of thumb <clears throat> in, uh, emergency preparedness, like, uh, you know, again, here in Southern California, they, a couple times a year, you'll hear on the news, they, they kind of remind people to get your earthquake kits together with bottled water and batteries and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, so in, in just regular emergency preparedness, they say one gallon per person per day, um, like in, uh, shoot, what's, uh, <clears throat> Like I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. I didn't. I did not do the whole thing, but I, I hiked portions of the Pacific Crest Trail. But there's a term for that. It's like long distance through hiking or or whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, so again, and and that for that they tell you you need one gallon per person per day, and so that is a good general rule of thumb. Right. Uh, for for almost any situation, but then when you start getting into longer term, uh, you know, then then. You're just going to have to figure out what you need, like in terms of, again, like I said, because longer term then you know, hygiene and and, and cleanliness right. and all that comes right. into effect. And, and you need water to do your laundry and clean your body and clean your yep. dwelling and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But one thing to point out, um, 
I always kind of joke that anything that has an expiration date on it, the, the expiration date was put on there because some lawyer said that they had to. Right. Like a, a can of Campbell's soup has an expiration date, but that can of soup is going to be good for long past the expiration date. Right. Um, a couple of expiration dates that I take seriously are Kim lights, like the little glow sticks that you break. They have a expiration date on them, yeah. and a lot of the time they will not work after that expiration oh, yeah. date. So yep. that one's one to take seriously. Um, if you get any of these like aqua tabs or the the little liquid eye drop solution kind of stuff that I was talking about before, um, all that stuff has an expiration date on it. Okay. And th th that's an expiration date I would take seriously. But yeah. also, if you just take water out of your tap and you put it into a food grade water storage container, um, even that you should still rotate like on, yeah. an, on an annual basis. You can't or you shouldn't. Uh, put water in a plastic container and leave it there for 10 years and then drink it. Right. Uh, that, yeah, that. no, definitely. So if, if you are storing drinking water, you definitely should rotate it annually. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And, it, and, you know, you can set that, set that schedule however you want, six months, a year. Um, having two weeks worth of supply is probably a safe bet. Um, mm -hmm. Now, if you're a family of seven, then, I mean, figure that out. You know, you have to understand where you can store water as well. Again, remember, we talked yep. about water is heavy. So think a gallon per person. It, yeah. it can't be compressed. It Like it, the water is what, like, I have tried. Uh, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes as well. I've tried, two weeks is great. Um, 72 hours is a good starting point for yep. anybody that's just getting started. Uh, if you can have two weeks worth, that's great. I have tried to, ha like, if if something happened literally right now, um, I've tried to set myself up where I have a month, um, but the topic of today's podcast is water and water is the most difficult aspect of that, uh, layer of, of preparedness. Like, sure. cause a month's worth of water is, uh, is huge. It's huge right. in size and quantity. That's, that's kind of why I always advise people. Um, I I've, I've talked to people out of doing the tankless water heaters because like my water heater is, is that's a hundred gallons of, of fresh drinking water that I have right there stored in a tank that I have right. a spot for. Exactly. But uh, if you wanted to try to store a, a, a month's worth of drinking water or two, two weeks worth of, of water, that's, that's well, a pretty I, large footprint. Sure. Just, just do the math, right? So if it's one gallon per day, one person in your household, so that's one gallon a day times 14 days, that's 14 gallons of water, 14 yeah. gallons times eight pounds per gallon. I mean, I can't do that kind of quick math, <laughs> but, um, for, you know, when you, so let's just say it's, you know, uh, 20, 20 times eight, you know, there you go. I mean, and the, the, the weight factor is not as big of a deal as the size factor. You have to understand where that sits. And, you know, if you are putting it in one of those big giant plastic totes with the metal crate around it, well, you better have a pallet jack to move it because you're not moving that thing when it's full. So you have to understand how you're going to get that water out. And if it's a pump and you have electricity, great. Or, the, I mean, they make some without it. But, you know, so all of those things are important to take into consideration when it comes to water collection, rainwater, rainwater harvesting, water, making water safe to drink, the steps in, in, in which to do that. 
uh, kind of when and why. I mean, I think the why is pretty universal, but when and how are, I think, the, the things that you need to really focus on. And then the, the storing of water. Um, that's that's a personal preference. You have to figure out what makes sense for you, like you, like you just brought and just, up. Go ahead. Just to give you an idea, so, I mean, you, you brought up gallon gallon of water per person per day for one person for two weeks that's i mean i said like i have a hundred gallon water heater that's really enough water for me by myself for two weeks you right know i mean and without and, oh, oh. yeah with without doing anything other than yeah. consuming it now Correct. C- could you consume less than a gallon a day well sure you could i mean yeah. you know you could you can half of half water, half bourbon, whatever. Um, but I'm just giving an idea of the size. Like if, if, yeah, uh, exactly. if, if our listener can picture how big a hundred gallon water heater is, it's not small. No, it's not. And that's only enough water for one person for two weeks. Yeah. So <clears throat> the, these episodes, you know, and, and again, this is one of those essential, essential skills episodes, right? One of the, one of the many that we will do, these are meant to make you think, make you take stock, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so right off the bat, how much water do I have stored at this time? Is that enough? Am I good? Do I have the ability to 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 get more, or you know, or purify more? Again, that's what it's. That's what these are designed to do, guys. You know, it's just for you to really check the box and. I guess, evaluate your plan and is it part of your plan? And if you, if you listen to this episode and you're like, huh, I've got a 16 ounce bottle and that's filled. That's it. Well, you know, maybe it's time to, uh, to look in and see how much water you need to store. (laughs) But, uh, and if you have none and if you drank no water today, then drink some water. Uh, I'm guilty of it. I had about a half a cup, but I got three cups of coffee in me, so we're good. Hey, there's water in that. There's water in that. It is brown water, and it's good. And, like, another thing to point out is survival is slow. Survival is it, – it, everything you do in a survival situation should be slow, should be careful, right. should be conservative. And, and exactly. I always point out the difference between <clears> – <throat> and I love both of these shows for different reasons – um, but there was the show Man vs. Wild, and yep. there was the show Survivor Man. And right. I always said that Man vs. Wild with Bear Grylls, <laughs> right. every one of those episodes was him basically going, hey, watch what I can do. I can jump over this lava flow, and I can <laughs> jump out of this tree and grab this thing. Like Everything that Bear Grylls was doing, it was basically him showing off and him showing you what you should not do in a survival situation. But <laughs> less, less Stroud on Survivor Man everything he did was very slow very careful very conservative very intentional right. and very low risk like cuz when you're in a survival situation you can't call 911 otherwise you would have right. um you know you're you're really on your own so everything you do has to be calculated has to be measured has to be careful has to be conservative and water purification is a perfect example of that because a lot of times you're going to collect, you're only going to have some sort of container or vessel that's only capable of collecting or carrying a small amount at the time. 
Right. And, you know, if we're boiling water, like I said, that requires us to stop and build a fire and do all this stuff to boil the water and then right. let it boil for at least three minutes and then let it cool off and then put it back into our container or whatever. Um, so this is something that you need to plan ahead for. It's something that you need to be very careful with, because, again, if if we are talking in terms of survival, getting a case of the poops can be enough to kill you like that. Right. That can be enough to, and, and you pointed out the perfect example that people can watch, go watch naked and afraid and see how many of those people got a helicopter ride because they, they got the poops. Exactly. And so, uh, so all of these things and, and water, water treatment and water collection and water storage and, and consuming water that, that came from an, you know, an unknown or, or untrustworthy source just needs to be slow and careful and methodical. And, uh, and you need to, do a little reading on the subject and if yeah, you can do a little practical, uh, practical practice. Right. Um, and, and not rely on some piece of gear that you bought at REI. Right. But. And then the, the final takeaway to that, as we wrap up today's show is do not wait until you need to do this to understand how to do this. I, I and you said that, you know, don't wait until you're, you need to be able to build a fire with a with a ferro rod and and uh, a striker, you know, a knife or whatever. Until you need to, I mean, just don't do it. Practice these things. <laughs> it's really simple. Go out you can, with water. It's super simple. Um, but yeah, guys, the that that this is this is a form of training. This is a form of your own training, right? We talk about it all the time. You've got to go and get firearms training. This kind of stuff, this survival training is you you can do this all on your own, all in the comfort of your own kitchen, wearing pants, don't wear pants. It doesn't matter. You can do this and and master the skill so it doesn't matter the gear. And if you do buy gear that's fine of course uh, i again like i can build a fire without a lighter but i would rather have a lighter so you can 100%. get a piece of gear just don't be the person that takes it in the box and takes the this box. piece of gear in the box camping and then once now i'm thirsty and i'm out of water and i need water now i'm going to take this thing out of the box and right. hope it doesn't fail right. on me so don't be that person either like if you get it if you do get a piece of gear you need to op test it in a controlled environment first always. before you take it out into the field and use it. Yeah. Always, always. All right, folks. Well, listen, that wraps up another episode of Zert Coffee and Chaos. We really appreciate you guys joining us again. Please, if you are watching this on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so you notify, get notified when we launch another episode. Um, if you are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts, and you do want to see the video version of this, sometimes we have um, show and tell, sometimes we have links, head over to YouTube and you can find us there. Um, please, as Jamie has said, Provide us some feedback. All of these questions will eventually get put together and we will do an episode about them. Um, one final thing for me is, I don't know if I had mentioned this in a pri uh, earlier podcast or not, but the, uh, the XP001 remastered figure has sold out at Black Ops Toys. So if you are uh, still wanting to pick one of those up, Keep an eye out for uh, some information coming from the social media pages. Uh, we have some exciting things happening there. But as always, folks, thank you. Stay safe. And we will see you next time. Jamie? That's all I got, man. It's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. 
Awesome. Thanks, guys. Get Z training. Get training. ZP002 out.